in a world of Mesoamerican dinosaur riding knights. You won't believe the number of vampire Catholic pirates coming across your shores in Ixalan. Oh boy. Get ready to buckle your swashes. And and dug your skulls. Coming Dugger this fall. Skulls. Jurassic Park ain't got dookie on this. <laughs> All copyright. There be an Aztec riding a T Rex. I'm Phil DeLuca. I'm Sean Watson. And I'm Shivam Butt. And we are Commander in. Thanks for listening, everybody. We put a spotlight on community issues, but never, ever talk about four banned topics. Religion, politics, Hearthstone, and hip-hop. Guys, though, the listeners, I think some of them are clamoring for hip-hop, especially if Shivam is willing to spit some mad rhymes. You know, uh, I will definitely consider that, and I'm definitely thinking we need to uh, remove hip-hop off of this list because three banned topics just... uh, feels better you know yeah there's Look, a rhythm to it if yeah. we remove hip-hop right and someone can send me a backing track for straight out of compton i will do my yorgmoff rap straight out of herborg <laughs> <laughs> straight out of herborg crazy mutton yeah i'm gonna it's have to work on that one crazy dominarian <laughs> called yorgmoth all right listeners <laughs> the, the challenge is set before you so let us know what you want, and somebody send him a background track. Send it to the cast at, at commanderandmtg.com, etc. <laughs> yeah, cast at commanderandmtg.com. In the meantime, you should go up to iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcast and give us a five-star rating. Leave a review as well. The more reviews and the more ratings we have, the higher we appear in all of the different rankings, and that just means more people get to listen to Commander, and which means more people get to hear folks like, <gasps> spoilers, our guest this episode. You can also visit patreon.com slash commander and MTG. Donate a buck a show. We can really use it. We like to call out some of our patrons every episode, and we'll do that at the end of the show. Don't forget to visit us on YouTube and comment, rate, and subscribe, and all sorts of fun things there, because periodically we do have videos that go up, believe it or not, guys. This week, we have an absolutely wonderful show lined up for you. The return of a very special guest. Guess, <laughs> guess who I'm came? I'm super excited about this, guys. <laughs> yeah. Guess who came commander and to talk about developing Ixalan. Before he joined Wizards in 2012, Sam Stoddard was a successful tournament player, which skill set has a lot to do with his being hired by Wizards in 2012. Since then, Sam wrote the latest developments articles on the Mothership for four and a half years. It's pretty unbelievable. Jeez. They're great articles. Go and read them. We'll provide the link at the show notes. And most recently has led in 
two different ways, two different sets. The design for Modern Masters 2017, which was brilliant, and now he has co-led the development of Ixalan. So, Sam Stoddard, everybody. It's all true, though. I, w- I would say I would not. wasn't that successful a player. It was mildly no. successful. You were the most successful tournament player of everyone on this podcast. That's fair. That's, that's fair. <laughs> that is undeniably true. I am not nearly as successful as most of my coworkers, but I mean, I, you know, that's no a problem with fame. playing with like Hall of Famers, right? So. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That is uh, always a challenge, and we just keep hiring uh, really uh, high skilled people for our play design team. So all of a sudden, I'm just getting lower and lower. It used to be at least I was better than all the designers, but now it's like, okay, I'm way behind, like, you know, Chion and Melissa <laughs> and all these people, Michael Majors. Ian Duke. Ian Duke. Every every week we just hire somebody else who's who's got, like, top eights and all this stuff. It's <laughs> like, oh, boy. When your boss, Forsyth, is basically a Hall of Famer, but, or should be, really, uh, he's, I mean, he, he's a few points short. Well, actually, he's a lot of points short. He was a few points short. Now he's like 50, 57 points short or something. So he's got a bit. Okay, Eric, well, well, except for Aaron, all those others are frail nerds, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, Eric Lauer, too, is was right below 100. So. Yeah, shouldn't... I mean, Lauer and Forsyth are both just so influential. You would think somebody would make an exception. I mean, they're not going to go on the Pro Tour anytime soon. I don't think they're going to take your per diems for your uh, your appearance fees, but they really ought to have rings. But uh, that's a different topic. Well, yeah, just... yeah, if only if only there were other categories that you could put people into the Hall of Fame for. Well, it like... is it is the Pro Player Hall of Fame currently. Once we have a a little uh, you know Cooperstown location, <laughs> we can we can start up all the other areas. Hey, do you reckon Dude, we can rent a... an apartment? Do you reckon that could be a <laughs> Commander-based podcast Hall of Fame? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely in the running for third best commander and host. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I went to school near Cooperstown in uh, snowy Oneonta, New York, and I know that we can rent an apartment or an office in Cooperstown for less than an, our entire Patreon for the month. <laughs> for a month so... show, you too can host the Magic Hall of Fame. anyway yeah so we do still so thanks for coming back on sam yeah thanks for having me (laughs) glad to be here and and oh i can't wait till we talk about this set it's pretty awesome man you could tell we're not on kaladesh because we're already off the rails (laughs) oh (laughs) dear god (laughs) was that a vehicles reference that was a good one you liked it that was a good one yeah yeah We'll yeah. get to vehicles, believe me. We're just um, sailing into pun town on this one. <laughs> oh. <sighs> Getting started early. Oh <laughs> we still have playmats available, listeners. If you order one now, right now we'll pause. You can get, or you will get a free Deadeye Navigator signed by Phil and Sean, and maybe defaced a little bit by Sean with <laughs> the Phyrexian symbol, or even a God's Fer- uh, or even a God Pharaoh's gift, which uh, signed just by me, and I'll draw something on it for you. Or we'll draw something on the sleeve so you can humor us and then throw that away and still keep a good, uh, <laughs> still keep a good card. Lucky folks will get a foil version of those cards. So 
Order now, and uh, maybe you'll get a foil version. Hmm. All right. We are so excited. We're going to get right to the main topic. Ixalan is being released on September 29th, I think. <laughs> it has 279 cards. It's a standard legal set, and it's the first set in the Ixalan block. There's incredible amounts of confusion about the three-letter code, and for everybody listening, you must use XLN when, when, <laughs> when referencing the three-letter code. It's not IXL. It's not IXN. It's not anything except XLN. So remember, hashtag MTGXLN. Think of it as excellent, because that's what dinosaurs are. Hmm. No, vampires are better. Well, dinosaurs eat vampires. Yeah, while well, you guys are messing around, my merfolk have already destroyed both of you. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not you're, sure why you're little fancy tail guppy merfolk. I'm not sure why you're not giving the, the vampires enough credit, but I'm all about the vampires, Sam. Don't worry. Yeah, no, I have some questions about the the speed of this set, but we will get to there. <laughs> Among other credits. The final design team was led by Eric Lauer and Sam Stoddard and consisted of Dave Humphreys, Ethan Fleischer. We know Ethan pretty well. Adam Prozac. He was on the show recently. Andrew Brown. Some guy named Gavin Verhey. I've heard of him. Melissa DeTora, Pete Ingram, and Yoni Skolnick. That's, that sounds accurate. That's a good Do you name. split the team with uh, Eric Lauer the way that uh, Morrow does with... Whoever the design lead is? No, because we were uh, both the development lead. He basically uh, kind like it's he led it for the very, very beginning of the development. I mean, kind of. I, I really led it most of the way through, but he was kind of supervising and stuff because he's the the most senior developer at this point. So, you know, and it's the fall set and he kind of did this with Kaladesh too, with with Ian, where he really oversaw stuff early on before moving on to some other projects but mm. he he was very instrumental very you know in the first few months of development of making sure that you know all the things that we were trying to go after were correct that the the structure was good that the mechanics would work all those kind of things okay yeah. um so yeah uh, with the new uh play design team is the process the same that design works on it then development gets it and then you're done or does the play design have its own segment now? Uh, it's kind of hard to explain. Yes. I mean, things are generally the same there. We have made some changes that I think Rosewater at some point we'll talk about. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but the, the play design team is mostly separate from the set design team essentially, or the set, you know, it's basically development and they're really there to, you know, kick the tires. They're they're really focusing on standard. We've kind of shifted some of our time frames allowed to, uh, around to kind of give them a lot of time to play with the set in standard and say, okay, here are things we need. Here are things that would make things fun. You know, it's it's more about just allocating the resources towards limited and standard play much further than was in the past. Uh, this set was not exactly like this that kind of was done before the play design team was fully finished. Like when we were working on it, we didn't have an actual play design team yet. We had a, a balance team that mm. was more focused on, you know, just the balance stuff, not, not as much thinking about what they want standard to play like more thinking of, okay, what's, what's good, what's bad, more the play testers. And, um, you know, since we have gotten the set or the, the, play design team fully staffed and it has a manager and all that fun stuff. 
now they're much more focused on, they're the ones dictating, okay, here's what standard is like, here's what we're trying to work for. And it's my job to, you know, work with them to figure out how to basically make my sets uh, interact with their vision the best and, and make everything kind of click. Cool. Well, it sounds like we're ready to talk about Ixalan, the most exciting set out in September. Um, <laughs> no, actually, it's the one I've been most looking forward to besides the Commander product because freaking dinosaurs. Yeah. How cool is that? Everyone loves dinosaurs. Dinosaurs and pirates? Mm. So, so, so let's start with a simple, a straightforward yes or no. Do we ever find out why dinosaurs don't exist on Conquistador Island? Uh, Torazon is is actually the name of the yeah. other continent. I, I have no idea. I don't know if, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like there weren't horses in the New World before. You know, who knows? Maybe I'm sure there was something here that wasn't in Europe, corn or something. It's like that. It's There were kind of horses, thing. but they were eaten by T-Rexes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the dinosaurs really appreciate it because they're like, hey, look, free snacks. Yeah, no, it's great for them. Because which of which of you guys was it talking this afternoon who said uh, you were looking forward to a dinosaur riding conquistador? I'm just saying there's no reason for these to oh. not bleed over. I need to have my dino pirates and they need to be like, yar, matey, it's Brontosaurodon, you know, and or like... El Tyrannosaur, <laughs> the vampire uh, Tyro. You may have to wait a little while before, you know, Captain McBitey uh, takes Look, helm. Oh. <laughs> the, from from the Scotland, Scotland island of Torazon, where Captain McBitey comes and is like, Yar, mateys. Uh, yeah, that's going to be amazing. So, yeah, maybe you can tell us why you guys don't cross-pollinate these uh, amazing tribes and stuff. So, I mean, with a set like this, we, we don't do it because, you know, there's only so much we want people to have to take into account when they're drafting, when they're, you know, deck building and having like vampire pirates and, you know, merfolk pirates and stuff would really have just been like, you know, you spend so much time when you're drafting, just looking at type lines, trying to figure out which is which. And, you know, it was much easier just to be like, yeah, yeah, we have these four tribes they're kind of the factions of this set and you know each one gets to exist independently uh let's not cross the streams on this we're not trying to do like changelings or anything super cute like i, I think it was <gasps> it was i think it was a real problem with uh uh lower morning tide when the second set was like you don't care about creature types anymore now you care about classes <laughs> it really just <laughs> like that like what you didn't like shadow more having like 35 classes and races on every card. Uh, that was, well, that was Shadow Warrior Soldier Giants. Yeah, but, you know, it was just like, if you actually tried playing, I mean, what we're trying to do is in, in, in the years since then, it's been like, okay, what can we do to, like, reduce complexity? There's a lot of things of, like, okay, you know, I love Time Spiral. I think t we could have, like, cut out half the words that exist in Time Spiral, and it would have been 95, 98% <laughs> as fun, like, there's all kinds of stuff that there that just exists to be cute and to add like these incredibly weird corner cases. We just don't need that. So a lot of what we were going for with this is just like, okay, make the factions pretty easy, make them fun. Don't don't get too cute. Like pirates are gonna be pirates, dinosaurs are gonna be dinosaurs. Let's not 
cross the streams on these, you know. There are obviously cards that will play well, especially in limited, in other decks. Like, um, there's a 2U2-2 that's uh, Merfolk that's ETB, uh, tap and free something, like Frostlings. Yeah, it's yes. a Merfolk. You know, if you're drafting a pirate deck, you're not going to look at it and be like, you know, just not worth it. Like, that card's clearly good enough for your pirate deck. If you're trying to raid, you're just trying to do things. You can take that and not feel too bad about it because we're not, you know, we're not rewarding you by saying, okay... If you have 23 pirates, your deck works. If you don't, your deck doesn't. It's more about, okay, I want to have enough things in my deck that, that things work, but the you know the tribes have some malleability. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm definitely drafting some red dinosaurs to go into my pirates deck. There are some good ones for your, like, you know, red-black pirates is the sort of aggressive beat-you-down pirates, and there's a 1R, 2-1 haste dinosaur. You know, that's you yeah. can play that curve into your two R three three pirate that can't block and says it has menace if you have another pirate. Like, yeah, it doesn't have menace yet, but yet by the time you cast that, you've already hit your opponent for four and you're threatening, you know, at least, you know, five more the next turn if they don't have a blocker, if you you know have a pirate, like the the goal was really to allow these, you know, tribes to blend over in strategies and not just, you know, be Okay, the vampires only work with other vampires, and the dinosaurs only work with other dinosaurs. You know, the the set really blends all these things together. Yeah, I love the um, the little dinosaur that's the rook egg, but uh, I don't know when he did, when he takes enrages, he gives yeah. you a three three, like that plus like dual shot or something. Just like, oh look, here's my three three. <laughs> yeah. So so for a while, the common fight spell in the set was uh, the one from dragons that was like. I think epic confrontation plus one plus two in fights, and let me tell you how good that combo was. Oh my god! <laughs> it was like yeah, that is so dumb. It was like yeah, maybe this isn't a good common. Like oh my like oh my god, this is really good with enrage. It's like okay, yeah. as, you know, as like a Timmy, I fully approve. Of ridiculous. <laughs> right, it's one of those things where in like your average set, you know, there, I, I love cards where it's like in most sets, this card is like a pretty good common pick, and in this set, it is better than all the uncommons. It's like okay, well, you know, it's sometimes it's good to print those. Sometimes it's good to be like, yeah, you know, this this pounce card, which is you know an okay fight spell. It's basically pit fight. It's like ah, it's pretty good, but it's really good in this set because you have enrage. Like those those kind of synergies or like having dual shot, which is like usually okay, but there's a lot of tokens and. You can always do something like, all right, I'm going to ping your vampire token and my guy. That's, uh, you know, it's a nice combo. So how did you address all of the different set themes? And some of them were quite challenging, but how did you keep them fair? Ah, oh, fair is a... Like balance, balanced. <laughs> is what so I say. Fair, fair is, a, is a hard term. I mean, you know, this is a really weird set. This is, we're, we're trying out some very different stuff here. You know, we haven't really done a set like this in a long time where things are not balanced. Like, the vampires and the uh, merfolk are two colors. Pirates and dinosaurs are each three colors. Like, you know, that means that in your average draft, obviously more people are going to draft vampire or pirates and um, dinosaurs than are going to draft merfolk and, and, and vampires. It's just how things are set up to work. And a lot of what we were trying to do is, okay, figure out... You know, the, the, the merfolk and the vampires just have a higher synergy level as a whole, than on average, than the uh, pirates and the dinosaurs. Once we had the, the set at a point where 
the synergy level for those two tribes were higher, well, guess what? There's They're in three colors. It just people kept playing three-color pirates or three-color dinosaurs. Like, we wanted there to be really, you know, basically ten draft archetypes, not four. Mm. Uh, and, and actually, as a result of that, and I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about this, you know, uh, the other thing that we do here that's weird is we have eight um, golden commons. Like, we always have ten because there are ten color pairs in Magic. And the reason why we went with eight was we have these two tribes, uh, or we have these two color pairs, uh, blue, white, and black, green, where there isn't a tribal component. Like, the the whole, like, uh, four factions just doesn't divide in evenly. And we didn't want it to be, like, you open up your, you know, the, the, those cards are there as signposts. Like, you're kind of playing a, a blue deck, you open up a, a really strong blue, back, black, gold uncommon, you go into that, awesome, everything works out. Uh, you know, we didn't want it to be a something where, like, you open up, you're playing blue, you open up this really awesome blue-white card, and then it's like, well, where are all the blue-white stuff? And it's like, yeah, that deck's not as on rails as some of the other ones. Like, there are, there's a black-green deck, it's more of Explore, and the, kind of the, the best card in it is Grim Captain's Call, where you, because you have access to all four of the tribes in your two-color deck, you're the one you can kind of get all four out of that, and the blue-white deck is a flyer deck. They exist, but we didn't want to like point newer players to them. Mm. Yeah, because I definitely noticed a lot of people were talking about the fact that it felt strange that there were some color pairs that just didn't exist or didn't feel like they had really playability. But when you look at the way the set is split up, it just didn't seem to make sense. Yeah, and I like... mean, it's it's interesting. Like, you know, we have been doing this gold uncommon thing for a while, and it's a really useful signpost for players. And sometimes it's funny because, like, we anytime we don't do all ten now, people are like, "Oh my god, what's going on?" Like, and we used to sometimes we used to do five, and it would be like, "But what do I do with the other ones?" And it's like, "Well, they're there. They're just there isn't this signpost." And you know, you look at like uh, original Innistrad, and there wasn't really a, there weren't gold cards. There were flashback cards that were taking that that kind of role, and. You know, people managed to kind of figure out what was going there. So, you know, the, the goal with this really wasn't to limit decks. Like, theoretically, really, there's basically 12 different decks you can draft. Either uh, one of the 10 color pairs, and you can go Crixus Pirates or Naya Dinosaurs. Like, those are the most common uh, 12 different archetypes you could in go into. But we didn't want to, like, you know, point people too heavily towards the ones that are just much less supported. Like, you know, Blue White Flyers is... It states like a more advanced deck, but it is certainly not going to be something where you can take that and start looking for, you know, uh, a lot of the synergies you're going to find are really the more advanced synergies. They're, you know, you're trying to figure out how to make the deck kind of play on a gameplay level, not just looking for, okay, how do I make my Merfolk tribal work or what is what are the specific rewards that the set's really feeding me? Yeah, from my kind of casual level, it feels a little bit like, oh, this is a train wreck of a draft that just ended up falling together into blue white flyers because it feels like if you're in blue white flyers, then you didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> you know, like you ended up just like, Oh crap, this is what's here. Yeah. But like, I mean, I, you know, that that's it. I would agree. That that's it, also cause I'm a bad player, by the way. It, it can look <laughs> like, it can look like that, but you know, the we've, we've done, I think we've done a couple drafts since the, since the set, uh, we kind of got some packs of the set out of pre-release and stuff. And people do draft, you know, blue, green, and black, or sorry, blue, white, and black, green pretty regularly. Like, th those are definitely things that people do. It's just something where, you know, uh, 
you're probably not, if you, if you, especially if you're a newer player, you're probably not going to do it in your first, like, three or four or five drafts. Like, we're, sure. we're kind of, it's not like we're exactly, like, gatekeeping it away or whatever, but we're just not putting it in your face. So, we don't, you know, we want people to have the best experience the first time they draft it. There's a lot of on-the-rail stuff for those people, but there's also a lot of, like, cross-energy stuff that, ideally, over time, people can learn new synergies and find all these cards that are, like, really good in this tribal deck or somewhere else. Like there's the, I forget the name of it. It's the um, pirate pyroclasm that hits everything but pirates. I mean, obviously it's very good in a pirate deck because it doesn't hit your creatures, but you know, people also take it in rage decks because you know, you have out three enraged dinosaurs and I, you know, and you cast a spell that says deal two to all my creatures. Like you get to hit their creatures and you get, you know, Two life, get a card and draw, a card, you know, and uh, and then just get start a land. Three damage to their face, so. right? Exactly. Yeah. Like you know, a lot Fiery of these cannonade, right? A lot of the, there are a lot of these cards that exist as, you know, they're not inherently like we could have put a little pirate and a little dinosaur on the card tribally, but you know, they're they're there really for people to discover over time. Yeah, I guess you would have to uh, find synergies in there to keep this fresh once the tribal theme. Kind of like once you've played it out on your 38th draft league going on, so you can start digging into <laughs> what the rest of the set has to offer. You could take pirates in the treasure direction too. Right. And the, the blue black, for instance, the blue black pirates are really kind of the quote unquote treasure pirates where, you know, you, you have more things that care about artifacts and you get your, you know, your flyers plus your pirate cutlass. Yeah, that and all these kind of the things. blue black pirates is the first time I've wanted to play blue black like ever, except for my zombies decks, because <laughs> that actually looks super fun. I loved all the treasures. I love the treasure mana flare. Uh, I mean, the mana drain that gives you uh, loot. Um, yeah, no, I'm super excited to actually draft blue black for once, and I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> Come on in, the water's great. <laughs> the water is dank and full of slimy like pirates, dude. That's no. that is not, that's not great at all. <laughs> the water is um, deep and rich. Yes, but yeah, and you get your you get your grim captain's call on that one too. Yeah, I mean it. At least that way, I can play um, Ramirez de Pietro from the olden days, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, you could. <laughs> you know, if you if you really want to, like that could be your commander for your pirate deck. That that would be. Uh, oh, it absolutely would be. I'm not gonna. It lie. would be bold. It would be bold, but hey, <laughs> look, dude. I'm just because he's your commander doesn't mean you have to use him. He just has to show up <laughs> and be like, "Ar," <laughs> and then you and then you sit there and say, like, "All right, Mister Seven Drop Crawworm, we'll we'll leave you over there." Um, <laughs> while we were talking about the uh, blue black pirates, maybe you could talk about the other uh, set theme treasures which is super <laughs> exciting to me super awesome but also not gold so my king Makar deck is sitting there going where's Makar, dude yeah so uh th- th- <laughs> this this was punished this was an act you know this was a, a real debate that happened was do we go with gold or treasure and it a lot of it had to do just like creatively a couple things one uh pirates going for gold is works very well in english that is the primary English uh, type, but like are my pieces I, of eight, right? And, and but I, I don't know. You know, I think there was some concern that like in other languages, the the connection between gold and pirates wasn't as strong. Like it would have worked, but it wasn't quite right. And we wanted to kind of have treasure be more than just you know, even though it really is pretty much just the pirates doing it. You know, it's not like everyone there has gold. Like you know, the the the, the pirates. Well, they definitely are about. Gold, 
you know, it's the merfolk don't have gold. So what would the pirates even care about the merfolk if that was the case? Like they have jade and they have all kinds of mystical artifacts. Of course, historically accurate when the real historical conquistadors killed the merfolk. The merfolk. <laughs> I'll have you know I read this on a website. Um. <laughs> Stop going on info wars. I told you. I don't know if you, if you've seen the the art with the the kind of the the vampires landing with the uh, with the Sun Empire and there's the dinosaurs and stuff, but like it is very intentional. The Sun Empire is at a slightly higher power level or sort of a uh, higher altitude. There, like the goal was really to make them a you know an e- a techno- technologically equal or at least a you know uh, opponent, and not to like have those tro- those real world tropes that are super awkward, like. The goal really was to support it as, okay, these, these are like actual people who are very well matched. Huatli's armor is really cool. Yeah. I mean, it really shows off that she's, she's using steel. Yeah. I mean, the, the, these are not, these are technologically, you know, at least as, or similarly advanced as the, as the pirates. Who knows? It's, it's technologically advanced. It's very difficult because I don't know where a dragon is in the, uh, <laughs> or a di- you know, like, like, you know, it's like, where is this thing? Like, you know, well, what do you have? We have, uh, you know, a combustion engine. What do you have? Like, well, we have magic, uh, <laughs> magic. Like we just shoot fire out of our hands and it's like, who's more advanced? I don't know. <laughs> well, Whoops. uh, really hard to tell on this, one. but I can light your engine on fire from here. So yeah. Yeah. But, but but anyway, um, you know what we try to do with the treasure was have you know have it so that you know treasure is a lot is a lot more generic. It works in a lot more languages as a as a theme, and we got to have all those arts of okay. Well, here's what the treasure looks like when they steal it from vampires, and here's what it looks like when they steal it from the um, you know the Sun Empire. Here's what it looks like from the Merfolk, and they are very different. And it also just helps out with some of the. Uh, the creative theming because being able to say, okay, I, I took a treasure from you. Like gold works very well for stuff like contract killing, kill, you get some gold. Uh, some of them, you know, it doesn't necessarily make as much sense. Or like, you know, if you're, if you're stealing treasure from people, you know, that has a much wider idea of what that could be. So it could be that this, you know, the Wily Goblin has the, the helm of that sun empire person. Like that is treasure. You know, if he was if he had to steal gold, like the helm would have to be made out of gold to make that card make any sense. And the treasure tokens, by the way, look amazing. They're all really, really cool. Yeah. Like the, especially, I like the one that's a basket of jade stuff. That just mm-hmm. is so like evocative. I don't know. I think I think the uh, art team definitely knocked it out of the park. With oh the yeah, I, I I love the the way that this whole set really came together, and you know the the merfolk are recognizable as merfolk but they they really have their own identity you know it's it's awesome when they have this these constraints like we need to figure out how to make green merfolk and so they kind of go back and say okay what are the things that you know what does that mean to be a green merfolk or a white vampire like what does that mean and really having you know having these awesome art pushes where you have these you know great artists come in and and just really you know almost have like a jam session where they're just drawing cool stuff and having good ideas and working with each other and and you get to see them all kind of go up on the board and, you know, people cross out certain things they don't like or circle the things they like and they just iterate on it. But yeah, I, I love the way that the the artistry of this set really came through. And we got like, you know, there's things like the really cool, these giant pirate ships and, 
the the ships that have uh, the the vampire the, the vampires is this awesome thing I don't know if you uh, there's the the ship that uh, whenever you explore you put a counter on it and I forget what it's called shadowed caravel mm-hmm. or something and the idea is the vampires like they don't they just leave their ships because they have these shades that live on the ships so you know woe to anybody who, yeah they have shades that just live on the ships. And so, because I mean, they're, they're these well, they're haunted they're, ships, man. Yeah, kind of. And so, it's like if 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 you're a pirate and you're like, oh, oh, oh ships alone, like it is not alone. They're not vampires <laughs> in the ship. Yeah, but uh, you you really shouldn't. Yeah, do do not mess with the vampire ships. They're not there. It is it is no safer than when they are there. Hey, uh, just uh, so you know, that that ship doesn't exist in this set. Oh no, there it is. Shadow yeah, there's Caravel. Shadow Caravel. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh-huh. I, just, I just wanted to make sure that you didn't accidentally say something we shouldn't have. Hey, if he talks about cards we've not seen yet, you shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that card is so cool. Wow. So many of these ships are vehicles. Let's let's uh, let's talk about some of the mechanics. So starting with yeah. vehicles, how did they come back so soon? <laughs> I mean, this is within that two year span. There's no possible way you could have gotten player feedback already. Well, we didn't. You know, we we <laughs> liked vehicles when they were in Amonkhet. Like certainly by the end of the time, Kaladesh, Kaladesh, Kaladesh. yes, Kaladesh. <laughs> yeah, it's everything. All the words, proper oh, yeah. just blend together. At some point, uh, well, we we liked them a lot in um, Kaladesh. Then we, you know, we ended up like at some point there were individual designs within Amonkhet, but they just never really stuck. Like there was the the boat that carried me to the underworld, and it just never really stuck. It didn't make sense. But we came here, and it was like, okay, this makes a lot of sense to have vehicles. You know, it. We were late enough in the process where we seriously could have. Um, stopped and been like okay everyone hates vehicles we're going to take them out but you know by the time we get done with it it was like yeah people generally are cool with vehicles like okay we might have overpowered a couple of them (laughs) the last time like you know these are definitely weaker than the vehicles that were in Kaladesh I mean that that's we did it with uh, equipment and mirrored in the same way you know these are really there to be more flavorful and cool cards as opposed to the you know hot new thing that's going to be driving everyone to the set like these are there because pirate ships are awesome and the, the right place to have them here, not because it's like, this is the cool new thing and why you're going to run out and buy the set. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. They really do fit. I mean, that's I'm just lost in these vehicles with shades on them. That's so cool. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense that you would have to, I mean, you can't have a pirate set and not have pirate ships. Let's be real. Um, but I like the pirate ship that turns into a land. Double yeah. face cards. Yeah, that was another thing that I was not expecting to see at all. <laughs> Me neither. It's not exactly. <laughs> 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 no, the, the the DFCs are actually something that that I actually campaigned against for a while because I was like, oh my god, we're doing this again, and the the pitch. You know, this is one of those things between design and development where design often has great ideas and they have this pitch, and people buy into the pitch, and then you know, development hears it and they're just like. What are you talking about? It's like, we've got these things, and they turn into lands, and it's like, lands don't cost mana. Like, the thing that makes sense about DFCs is, like, you have a two-mana card, you can put a quest, and you get a five-mana card. And lands, all of a sudden, it's like, well, you know, and, and you know, obviously, a lot of the original designs they had were much less powerful and, and weren't as tuned, didn't have 
quite the the front side back side stuff going on so you know i was just like are we really doing this does that make any sense and you know over time you know we just spent you know a couple days like okay well let's just figure out what these could do and that's where the idea for things like the the cradle had come out of that i think the the ship that crashes in was there but it, the, the the reverse side made tokens and then we ended up making legions landing the same kind of story so we changed that but you know as we kind of got started getting the ones that were like the you know the cradle i think was the one that really sold everyone on the mechanic it's like okay so you know you, you make that card up and you show people and they go oh that well, was definitely more of the these, card right? that blew like our minds when we saw it like do they really just make a strictly better cradle? And yeah, we well, are they allowed? Holy crap! This is amazing. Not strictly better, which is actually a funny story. The other thing that that happened as we sort of got up later and later is one of the the editors is like, okay, so why can't I just start with this card? And it's like, well, obviously it's the backside of a card, and it's like, yeah, but like lands don't have mana cost, so why can't I just play it on this side? And it's like, oh yeah. It doesn't, like, nobody looks at Ormondal and there's like, oh, this is pretty good. I should just cast this for free. But, <laughs> you know, you give somebody a land and they're like, well, hmm, you know, this uh, this three-man enchantment looks okay, but this this land on the backside, I think I'll play that one. And that's where a lot of the exploration with, like, different frames and all this different text and really trying to make it so that, you know, when you looked at the backside of the card, you didn't immediately think, like, oh, I'll sleeve it in this side because... Of the two sides, this is the stronger half. You don't say. <laughs> like really? So I you know, and and just super super credit to uh, everyone on our our art team who uh, spent a ton of time, you know, working on these different versions of these frames, and and finally coming up with, uh, with something that I, you know I just think is is amazing. And you know, when you actually see them, they are just really cool objects. Yeah, and, I'm hoping to pick up a few foils of these guys because this is going to be absurd. Yeah, it's a thing where when, you know, the thing you you sometimes figure out magic cards is the coolness of certain objects. And these, uh, more so than, you know, cards in most sets, because they are so unique, are just really cool individual objects to to have in your collection. You remade my favorite card of all time, Kajaldron Outpost. <laughs> I need to own that. That's just the end of the story. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. I mean... DFCs and vehicles are really neat, but those are like old mechanics. Let's talk about uh, some of the newer <laughs> ones that came in, like Enrage, which is maybe my favorite oh. and most exciting mechanic <laughs> in this set. It's so cool. Yeah, we we sort of it's it's funny because like we kind of stole it from a future set uh, that I was on the design team for, though it that you know that was it's not how that happened, but uh, you know we were looking for a dinosaur mechanic and we had like. It took us a long time to come up with one. Like the the ones in design weren't really working. There was this one for a while that was like you know the, the problem we were like having is like well how do you get these dinosaurs into the into, on the battlefield early because they're big and so we had this mechanic uh, that was like ch- letting you cheat out dinosaurs but they couldn't attack or block but all of a sudden like they could still fight and they everything that counted big numbers and they were just like okay what if you had these things that are just awesome at crewing vehicles and getting flung and it's like eh, it doesn't seem like dinosaurs to me <laughs> and so we had a whole filling which is this thing where you know we send out a bunch of cards to you know or a bunch of tasks to everyone in the company and say you know hey we have 10 slots for cards but we also have room for things like we said hey if you have any ideas for a dinosaur mechanic and the one that 
that that kind of came back that everyone liked was this one that says when you get damaged, do a thing. Which you know the set I was working on also had that mechanic. So you know I, I was in, so I'm, I'm in this meeting and everyone's like we like this one and I'm like okay I I can do that one. So then I had to go to Mark Rosewater and be like, just so you know, we're <laughs> kind of stealing your mechanic. <laughs> now Ixalan had had already gotten like two mechanics stolen from it, like the the um the, the crown. crown. And uh, actually, the implementation of vehicles was we had this idea for these like uh, locations you would battle over early on in, in the design process. They were working on that. And it was like this location you would play and you tap a bunch of creatures to conquer it. And that and then, you know, or a bunch of power. And then because uh, originally vehicles were taps a number of creatures. Yeah. And then they were working on vehicles and said, you know what? These would be better with power instead of creatures. And so it's like, okay, the other mechanic on the set gets chucked, gets chucked out. So. You know, I think it was okay that we lost, uh, we got to steal one mechanic after two got stolen from us. I can live with that. So, <laughs> I've always been curious, what's that like? Like, when you're sitting there and, say, a Sean Main comes up to you and says, you know what, I really need this uh, crown. Do you guys sit there and just, like, <laughs> look at your work and just kind of cry for a minute? Or, <laughs> Well, I, I, it's hard for me to say because I was not working on the set at that point. Um, that was pretty early on design. Uh, I you know, when you're early on in design, there's so many things, like, we've gotten burned so many times in the past where somebody's like, no, this is the most important thing for this set. And you kind of get later, and it's like, you know, they protect it, and they get later and later, and it's like, yeah, that's not for, that's not, that thing's not very good here. Like, we just can't <laughs> use that. And then it's like, oh, well, now I wish we'd put that in this other set. And so, you know, you can't be too protective of things because, you know, you, you know, especially when you have, like, a year and a half plus left of the set's, you know, cycle of making the set you can't be like too protective of any individual card or mechanic because you know who knows enrage looks like a complete hit this is this is going to be cool against uh, all the advice i'm going to build a dinosaur commander deck and uh enrage will feature prominently that means we'll have to have all of the uh, self-damaging cards and whatnot yeah and you gotta you gotta you know i think i think we've posted a list of all the old dinosaurs that be uh, old things that became dinosaurs so you yeah. got you got a little bit of help there, and obviously when uh, when rivals comes out, you get some more help. Like that, that certainly was a concern of like, are are there going to be enough dinosaurs to make a dinosaur commander deck work? And obviously, it's a bit on the low side now, but now that we have you know between these two sets, we now have access to like enough that it really helps out a lot. And pirates is a little more than dinosaurs, but a lot of them are ma- for masks, so they're not exactly. Uh, the strongest, but you know, I think between these uh, two sets, the the commander will have enough of these cards that you know you can you can build commander decks for these and have them be pretty competitive. Personally, I'm really bummed that Fungusaur didn't make the cut because that card already <laughs> has Enrage built in on it. It would have been amazing. <laughs> There's a Flash Fungusaur, the the Spineback, right? But yeah, that that uh, it turns out. That uh, fungus dinosaurs did not fit the creative. <laughs> what? Guys, yeah, I know. You have all these chances to make reprints that are perfectly suited for a set. I'm sure somewhere <laughs> deep in the jungle you could have found a little mushroom that happened to be a dinosaur. <laughs> it would have been fine. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you can pitch that one to the art team and the story team. I'll, I'll, I'll just let them name whatever they want to name things. All right. That would have required some deep exploration of the jungle. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that one, that one came out of design. That was, uh, 
you know, as, as we were sort of just working on the set late, late, late in design, early development, uh, Ken Nagel had a series of cards that I had initially not liked because it was things like, you know, uh, bounce a creature and then reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land, put it in your hand. And like, that was the whole ability. And it was like, yeah, this is just too swingy. Like, I get what you're going for, but like, you know, these cards are just like, you know, flip a coin if you win, draw a card. Like, that, that's not huh. a thing like a plan. to do. <laughs> but like, that, that just adds too much randomness for, for, for a mechanic, especially a mechanic whose goal is to rent, get you to enough lands that can actually play your big spells. Uh, and then Mark Gottlieb, who is uh, the design manager and who's on the team, was like, I've got an idea. What if it only appeared on creatures and uh, then it was a plus one, plus one counter or the land? That way, you know, whichever one you get, you're pretty happy. And it was like, oh, that uh, that does solve a lot of the problems. And so we tried it out, and yeah, it, it really just did a, a great job of, you know, allowing for these creatures to have different stats and different play patterns, as well as just, you know, um, th- this awesome thing of like, yeah, you get to, you do really get to kind of uh, play these things and get more lands and then get to the point in the game where you are casting your big dinosaurs or, or whatever, or casting two pirates in a turn which was really the goal of the mechanic is to kind of get you to that late game as, you know, fully uh, kind of full of, of powerful stuff that you can possibly have. Hmm. Yeah, it looks awesome. I'm a big fan of Explore, especially since both choices look, especially on all those Explore cards, both choices look like you come out ahead. And especially in Commander where we need to ramp and stuff, mm-hmm. being able to have Explore in all five colors <laughs> is amazing. Not just green, would... Sean. All five colors <laughs> get to explore. It's amazing. Oh, all colors get to ramp. It's the fact that green does it so easily. You're just jealous, Doug. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hashtag easy mode, mate. Hashtag easy mode. <laughs> uh, so you brought Raid back, too. Yeah, Raid, Raid was the example of... Um, so I'm, I'm just in a meeting room with people and we're talking about the pirate mechanic. I forget what we had initially. But it was something that the design team had some idea. I forget what it was. It was something like, uh, like it, maybe this is earlier on, but like whenever you attacked with a pirate, you would like swashbuckle and it was like discard a card. And then if you draw a card, if the card discarded was, was this thing, like get this really minor bonus. And it was like, yeah, the, the major thing you're doing here is just looting. Like that's the thing. The looting thing is not the, you know, it's not the, uh, the kind of like randomness that you're trying to do. That is just the most powerful part of the card. And we just kept going through all these mechanics and it was like, you know, we're just, we're just talking about it. And it's like, I mean, it's like, we want this thing that's like raid, but, and we kept going through the raid butts and it was like, what if we just did raid? Like, it's, <laughs> you know, cause, cause and this is a thing that, that, you know, can, can really trip us up is that we're working very far ahead in the future. So this was what, like, you know, almost two ish years ago. And so, for for us, cons is, you know, we have this memory of making cons, but then cons is, you know, comes out, it's in standard. So by the time we're talking about it, it's like really, it's like still pretty fresh. It's like, well, can, this is not a very long time, but it's like, well, yeah, but it's not actually for like two years that people are actually going to see these cards. So, you know, there, there is definitely time between the time we did raid. And, you know, just in terms of what we wanted out of the pirates, it, it was a really, really good mechanic. It, it lets you do piratey stuff of, you know, you send out your boarding party and maybe you don't all come back, but maybe you got a little information and that's okay. 
you know, the, the, the second, I think we made the first card that, uh, I think we might've cut them all, but it was like, okay, raid for gold. It was like, yep. Sold. And that's how we sold that mechanic to people. I mean, <laughs> it feels so perfect. Like, like putting burning torch into Innistrad or something. It feels like you made it for the set, you know, like, of course, pirates raid. What else are they going to do? Yeah. It's, you know, it's a lesson of sometimes, you know, we, we get really into like, let's make this thing that's like this, but, and it's like, well, what if we could just make that mechanic? Like totally <laughs> fine. It's a thing we can do. And I'm really glad we ended up there. Cause yeah, it's just, you know, a lot of cool, fun things you got to do with raid. And, it, and obviously it's in blue now. So you have a new color from where it was in cons as well. Awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. Hmm. Then the last real mechanic to talk about, even though it's not really a mechanic is uh planeswalkers becoming legendary. Yeah, that, uh, you know, I've gotten a lot of flack about this and it's, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I get it. I get it. it. It, you know, one of the things that we're always trying to do is, you know, you look at the rules and you're like, why are they these two rules that are basically identical except that they're not? And with Planeswalkers, it's like, why do we have these like uniqueness rules that, you know, it's like, it's, what is the Planeswalker uniqueness rule? Well, it's the legend rule, but instead of looking at the name, you look at their type. And it was like, you know, we could just, like, if we just were to make them legendary, you just get to cut, like, a decent chunk out of the, the, the tournament rules. And once people know how legends work, like, they now have a better idea of how Planeswalkers work. And, you know, over time, you know, this is the 3,000th version of this, uh, you know, minor thing that we've changed within Magic that, people have gotten mad about and it's like i mean if you go back to the old dojo archives and you read the uh the archive on why six edition rules is killing magic because you know <laughs> like if you know people were going well if i can't sackle my lands to a zern orb while well, after i've cast armageddon but but uh and I've, i i've guaranteed that it resolves like there's just no skill left in magic. I don't even know why I would play this game. <laughs> and you know, so you know, we we I'll admit we have not always been right on these. We have definitely made rules, and then you know later on been like, okay, that was bad. We're gonna go back. You know, and, and but like as a whole, like when you have rules that are just incredibly similar except for a minor difference, you just really get down to okay, is that minor difference totally worth it? And in this one, it was like. You know, it just really wasn't. And, uh, you know, as, as Mark Rizwater has mentioned, like, you know, we, we were printing a lot of Gatewatch Planeswalkers. We're, we're trying to kind of reduce the total number that we're putting in sets. Like, we got a little over the top on those, uh, which is the main reason why you, you are see, you'd be seeing the kind of Planeswalkers conflicting. But it also just ran into problems for us with working with the story team, where the story team would say, we want this Planeswalker in this block. And we'd say... If you change the name of that planeswalker and instead of being, you know, this person, it was that person, like it would this would be a much more playable card, and that's not a a, a great knob to turn. Like it's not fun that that they're there when they say things like Liliana should appear here, and it's like, ooh, could it be anybody else? Because <laughs> Oops, we already have like right, we already have like this four mana Liliana, and we really don't want to do a three mana one, so if it could be like, you know, whatever, Obnixilis or something, then that'd be so much easier because or Soren, then we could just make it do whatever. You know, it's, it's much, much easier now to just say, okay, like we're not, we're not going to, we, we got to test all the planeswalkers much more independently in standard. We don't have to say, okay, well, you know, well, we weren't playing as much of this Liliana cause like, you know, or, or Gideon for instance, 
you know, obviously we're not playing nearly as much of Gideon in Trials because we already had a super strong Gideon in um, in BFZ. So, you know, it really hampers our ability to, to test Planeswalkers that are going to exist by themselves later on when the entire time we're sort of making the cards. Uh, we have to worry about the, um, the Planeswalker uniqueness rule. That was a complex answer to a question. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, but it does make it does make sense, even though uh, it it did cause a bit of a stir. I don't know. I mean, I'm, it's not the last stir we're going to cause. Uh, you know, I don't know what the next one's going to be, but who knows? Uh, you know, there there are, internally there are things that that cause stirs like that. Some of them see see the light of day. Some of them don't. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Wizards is not done with controversy. <laughs> Sam, we are going to inaugurate a new segment in the show. It's called The Stack. And in the stack, we're going to stack rank. This is why it's called that. Uh, some aspect of magic where we either take cards from a particular set, specific mechanics, or even color themes like ramp, because we'll, you know, we can get like six or seven stack ranks out of ramp, can't we, guys? <laughs> yeah. And uh, other other <laughs> color themes, and then rank them from best to worst. So we asked you to take your favorite five cards from the set. Number five, uh, charging monstrosaur. Ooh. This is, you know, one of the things that as we were trying to kind of figure out what the ethos of of dinosaurs is, which feels like a weird thing to say and makes me sound super artsy, but like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this was this was a big like point of contention. It's like, okay, so what are dinosaurs in magic? And it's like, well, I mean, just to, to some extent, like, imagine you are a planeswalker, you show up and you see a a wingless dragon, and it's like, what is, you know, like clearly this thing is less scary than a dragon, right? Like, dinosaurs are just downside dragons, except that that's, you know, that's not cool. So we had to figure out what the cool thing was. And, you know, dinosaurs, part of it is they, you know, they're they're unique. They have, there's this adaptability. They've got all these different body shapes and stuff. Like, you have the steadfast armosaur that hits you with its tail. And you have um, the, I think it's Bligionate Brontodon, where it makes all your creatures deal damage to their toughness. But you also just, you just wanted to have, like, the biggest, dumbest beat stick possible. And this is where, <laughs> this is just like five mana, trample haste. It is, you know, there's nothing clever about this. It is not a, it is not, you know, it's not, you know, oh, what is the clever thing this dinosaur is doing? No, it is just huge and it likes to eat things. And it's big enough that that works out. Yeah, so, this is a card that could have existed in Alpha and nobody would have blinked an eye. In Alpha, <laughs> this would have been rare. In Alpha, this would have been, uh, like, nine <laughs> mana. Let's be honest. Yeah. So why is it square I'll and red? Four mountains. <laughs> why is it <laughs> Yes. Sacrifice yeah, why is it square and red? What well, it's... it's sorry. It is just... It is the, the... This just very typical, you know, Tyrannosaurus-type dinosaur. It's, it is... Angry it's T-Rex. Just, you know, of course it's red. Yeah. What other color would a T Rex be? Green, maybe. I mean, Devil Dinosaur is red. Yeah. No, no, it's not green. Right. What you got to learn, Sam, is the green folk here want everything to be green. <laughs> if it's got power <laughs> above three, oh, it's definitely green. Look, it's powers above three. You, you get the you get the nine nine common. Like green, green did not get zero love. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. 
ordinarily a red a red creature has a greater power than it does a toughness. So this is kind of squared off in that sense. Yeah, well, what I'm saying. I think of iconic red creatures like I know Sheevan Dragon, and no one plays that. <laughs> yeah, Thundermall, Thundermall, Hellkite, all the yeah, all the things with more power than toughness. Goblin Lackey, all the, you know. Wait, what? what Goblin Lackey, all the all the all the regular red non-square things. Yeah. Actually, while we're talking about weird dinosaurs, I have one question that I did want to ask you. The All green right. mythic dinosaur, a 7-6, just like, it seems from my eyes to be completely generic creature. Why is that the green mythic? Uh, it is just the the meanest dinosaur that we, you know, it, this was just supposed to be like kind of the, the Bane Slayer. Like the, you know, th- this is, there is a certain category of mythic that, you know, that I want to get back to. And so it was like Bane Slayer, but it's just like, this thing is, oh my God, just super powerful. It's got all these abilities and stuff. Like it certainly is not as flashy as some of the other cards in the set, but it is just a powerhouse and meant to be just kind of like the, the most efficient, scariest, just just nasty dinosaur out there. Just punch you in the face. Just Call punch you in the face again. Not not clever. Not a clever. <laughs> the dinosaurs are not clever. They're not trying to outsmart you. Like Beckett Brass, she wants to come out and steal your stuff. And and you know Madrin Fane, it's like oh I get it. you get to attack and then uh, Arvona. It's I get to attack you with Vona and then when she's in attacking, I'll tap and destroy a permanent and you can't block now and I regain back four of that uh, seven, seven life, life I, paid. I paid. But uh, yeah, Carnage Tyrant. Nah, it's just there to, to you know punch you in the mouth. Just take names. <laughs> it's it's like I've got all this counterspell magic. I've got all this stuff, and it's like don't care. <laughs> I'm bigger than you. You know what? That is yeah. the type of magic I live for. So I'm all about this. Sean <laughs> <laughs> is rolling his eyes. We can actually hear. It. Genuinely, I had to go and look at what the card did because I disregarded all the green cards in the set <laughs> when I. It is just straight up like. I am green. Here is fist. Have day. <laughs> day. You enjoy that, Timmy. You enjoy that. Look, man, all I want to do is so... turn sideways and go to the red zone. This is my card. <laughs> mm. yeah, red's got so, some finesse in this set. So speaking of... Uh, oh, no, this is a blue card. And you're a number four card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chart a course. This is... It's funny, this card uh, ended up without raid, because it turns out these words are horrendous if you try putting a raid on it. It's like, draw two cards, raid. Uh, discard a card if you didn't attack with a creature this turn. Just, you know, makes a lot more sense the way we wrote it. But, you know, th- this is just a really powerful, cool spell, and as you're looking at ways to kind of make uh, raid work in blue decks, it's like, what are the, like, you know, because you can do raid counter spells, but they're super weird, and... You know, there, there's a lot of things with blue. All it's what a lot of, wants a lot of instance, and so instance with raid are like not ideal because if you have like a bounce spell with raid, it's like okay, I just attack and cast it before blocks. This is a sorcery that's like okay, you know the this is all about you know you're just drawing cards. It's you know, but you got to play a somewhat aggressive deck to take advantage of that. So you know that that is a a nice difference, uh, and and letting a card like this go into either merfolk or pirate decks that are somewhat aggressive to take a full advantage of it is a, a nice way of kind of 
giving those tribes some identity in the set and giving them something to do. Awesome. R. R. And uh, so speaking of giving, <laughs> you're going to love this one. Speaking of giving tribes something to do, <laughs> you have a red card at number three. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. Star of Extinction. This is So absurd. bad. I'm sorry. This card is so absurd. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I had to sell a lot of people on this because they're like, "Yeah, but the dinosaurs don't all die in the set." And I'm like, "No, it's cool. It's details. We're doing it. <laughs> we're doing a dinosaur set. You know what we need? We need a meteor." <laughs> and everyone was like, "Oh my god!" But it, and it's like, trust me, people are gonna love this. Yeah. And you know, we went through a couple iterations on it, and eventually we just like, "Yep, it, this is just blows up the world. Like destructor land, boom, everything dies." We did not manage to work in the whole, like, you know, regenerate all, like, rodents and uh, rats and really small marsupials. All cars that look like they have a mammal on them. (laughs) Parentheses, use your judgment. Squirrels survive. All I'm saying is that in EDH, this is going to be one of those uh, finishers that just makes me smile. Especially if you oh. play it right after your Boros charm, it gives all your guys indestructible, and then you just go wham. Or you it's just like, play it with Boros Rector, and that one's good though. too. Yeah, details. It's dude, this nine mana. That's what turn three in EDH. Come on, <laughs> not for Boros. It's like no. turn twenty. It's like turn twenty-three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so hang on, Sam. I got people got upset because they said the set. Not all the dinosaurs die in the set. Did well, anyone it was... get upset because? Not all the conquistadors die in the set. <laughs> well, it's this is this is the we don't want the coolest thing about dinosaurs is to be a meteor killing them all, and it's like I <laughs> promise you, how is them dying? <laughs> I promise you, the dinosaurs are going to be awesome, but we do need a meteor because meteors are great. It is it is like if you were to do the the um what is that the Family Feud where you're like name things that are related to dinosaurs? Okay, number one is probably like teeth. Uh, but like number like two or three, like it's going to be quick up there. You know, you're going to get survey is going to say like a hundred, you know, 20 people are going to say meteor. So, you know, we wanted to make sure that we have these, you know, you know, uh, these fun, cool things that even if they, you know, and, and, and as the, the flavor text kind of, you know, shows, this isn't a thing that actually happened. This is a vision that, um, Pashana has of, of a possible future, but, you know, th- these kind of things, like, when you're doing a dinosaur set, you know, you want to have something cool like this that just, like, fits what people are expecting. Hmm. I look at that card, and I, the the dinosaur in the front is turning to his friend at the back and saying, Steve, did you leave the stove on? <laughs> like, Gosh, is it warm in here, guys, or is it just me? <laughs> Joel, did you fart again? <laughs> But, okay, so this is a seven mana card. <laughs> I do have one question, though. Um, is this set slow like Eldrazi was? Because I know you had, like, my favorite Trilobite who got an eight mana activation <laughs> on it. This card is, like, seven mana. All your dinos are giant. Is this uh, a super slow set or a fast okay. set? <laughs> I mean, it's it's somewhere... It, it kind of depends on what kind of deck you're trying to build. Like, um, tr- trust me, if you're, playing, if you're playing limited and you have, like... Um, some of the Tecatli Knights, uh, which is the 1R2-2, whenever you attack. Or when he attacks, if you have a dinosaur, it gets plus uh, 1, plus 1. If you curve that into the 2W2-3 uh, the, the that says attack trigger tap something, it's a really fast set. 
you know, if you are playing uh, the black red pirates deck, you know, and you're you're trying to end it quickly, then it's going to be more of a fast set. If you're playing, you know, blue green or or sorry, uh, white green or blue black, it's going to be a slower set. And between like treasure and a lot of the kind of variability of gameplay, like there are the tools in the set that if you say I want to go to, you know, I want to cast the uh, the nine mana uh, eight mana nine nine common like. You can do that, like you know. You have to kind of set your deck up for it, and you have to say, "Okay, here's what I'm. Here's my big plan: is I'm going to get to that point in the game." And certainly, explore helps you to make you hit all your land drops, so you can get there. But there are certainly are very fast decks that exist in the format, so you can't just say, "I'm going to." It's not quite like like Eldrazi. Uh, you could kind of ignore everything below three mana if you really wanted to, and just not have turn one and two plays and try to make it up later. Uh, this set, you 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 know, you don't always have those options. Like you you can do that, but you might get run over. Mm. So <laughs> it, it, it's complicated. But I, I do like I've certainly cast lots of nine nines and seven minute cards in the format. I have sacked many an invoker. Uh, you know the, these things all work, and some of that is you know just treasure and explore go a long way to letting you get to those end game states. Can't wait. We should just yeah. take a second to acknowledge uh, Shivam compared Shorekeeper, a one drop zero three, to an Eldrazi. Well, no, because in Eldrazi <laughs> it had the uh, invokers, the guys who let you pay like six and a green or six and a red or whatever and do something epic. And uh, that's what I was thinking about Rise of the Eldrazi, not but just. They, they weren't on a one drop zero three body. Yeah, whatever details. Uh, you know what I was talking hey, about. That, I'm telling you that that zero three it raids. It raids just fine. Like oh god, it's you play that on, you play that on turn one, then you start casting your raid pirates on turn two. That is totally so an silly. option. I think we should talk about a Demir card. <laughs> yeah, this this is another one of my favorites. Hostage taker. Uh, it is a uh, two UB two three, and when uh, she enters the battlefield. She uh, takes uh, exiles another um, artifact or creature until she leaves the battlefield, but you can cast it. In which case, eh, maybe you convince them to stick with you. You know, and, and just thinking of pirates, like this is such a awesome pirate trope. There is this happens all the time. Where you know, back to, like Treasure Island of like, you know, the tr- the pirates kidnap somebody, but you know, you know what the sea life's like. You know, it's very uh, alluring to see. You know, Wait, many so, people. <laughs> so if I'm reading this right, it means that. I can take, like, if you had, like, a Brontodon or something, I could steal it from you with a Haunted Taker and then pay my mana and cast it? Yeah. If you, if, As opposed if you got to just, the mana. like, getting it, I have to pay for it again? It's, you do have to pay for it again. It I don't think you've ever done a card like this before. Uh, I don't, from yeah. From play, where you exit out from play and then have to pay to cast it again? Yeah, no, I, I don't think play. I don't think we've ever done this. And it was, uh... Neat. And it's a cool, like, play pattern because you get to, um... Obviously, you get to respond to it, but it, it you know, especially when you exile something really big, then there's a little bit of a race that's on. It's like, okay, I, you know, maybe you're like two turns away from casting that thing because I had all exciting. these, you know, I had these things that power out dinosaurs. Let's let's try to kill you before you have enough treasure to actually just convince my Brontodon that you know <laughs> the, that the pirate life is perhaps more fun than our yes the, yes the Captain McMighty, you will live. Oh my god, this yeah. card is awesome. Yeah. I already love it. <laughs> it's five mana, get a two three pirate that Four. you can do stuff with and someone's soul ring. No, no, it's five uh, oh, mana. Yeah. Get a two three pirate <laughs> and someone's soul ring. Right. That's still good, man. Admittedly, <laughs> the, the artifacts are much easier to convince to come over to your side. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because like... it's much harder to res- 
respond to you targeting. If your opponent targets your artifact, it's much harder than if your opponent targets your creature. Right. Yeah. Your hostage taker. So from an EDH perspective, rather than all this. Oh my this, god! Can you uh, imagine having two soul rings? Yeah, because you can't. Because you can't homeward path a soul ring. And you, well, you can't sack a soul ring. Yeah. As easily mm-hmm. as you can a creature. I know there's right. ways of destroying your own stuff before people start sending the tweets, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, this this looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I see a lot of nonsense coming out of that card. <laughs> yeah, I have oh. high hopes for this one. It's, it's awesome. Does this go into Silumgar? Oh. Um, I think it probably does, yeah. I mean, it's thematically fit. You're stealing. Yeah, the Silumgar deck's a... Is my only tribal deck. It's shapeshifter tribal. <laughs> um, shapeshifter. Yeah, it does go into Silungar. I'd be interested to look at what I cut for it, but it's certainly up there. I like stealing people's artifacts, especially uh, it, it. To me, it, it's sort of how Demir would ramp a bit by simultaneously nicking someone's mana rock, plus you know denying them that resource. Steal their signet. Steal their soul ring. This is. Man, there's going to be a lot of fun things to do. You've got the spare mana, steal their um, Gilded Lotus. Oh, yes. Hey, you know, Mana Crypt is just free. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. The Hostage Taker doesn't have to be on the battlefield in order for you to cast it, right? Uh, Yeah, it does. It's until it it leaves. It does. So if they, if, like, if you, you know, exile the big dinosaur and, uh, you know, the next turn they untap and kill your Hostage Taker, they do get it back, like... Uh, you know, so it's there's not a hostage a, anymore, right? You can yeah, you can rescue it. the hostage, but just make sure that you have uh, you rescue it before the they get a you know a, a whiff of the sea life and decide that the salty you know these salty crews are uh, are where they want to be. <laughs> Phil, you go on the odd salty cruise, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you follow my Twitter account, you're exposed to salt. <laughs> Like the rain of salt. Remember, it's easy to interact with two of the three hosts. One of us, <laughs> less so. <laughs> Some of us just spend a lot of time on social media. That's all I'm saying. Sam, you uh, were supposed to select five cards, but you didn't select your last card, so... I did. What do you mean? There's a card here. What? What are you talking about? Jace, Cunning Castaway. Oh. This is, uh, you know, he, he's plus one whenever one or more of your creatures deals damage to your opponent. You get a loot. Uh, minus two, make a two-two illusion, which is cool because Jace, Finally. who's whose major thing is being an illusionist, <laughs> and we have never made him make illusions. And then his ultimate is create two token copies. It's minus five. He starts with three loyalty. Uh, make two token copies of him, uh, except they're not legendary. And originally, it just said you know, except they're not named Jace or something. Like we had we had a work we had a way of this work before the legend rule change. Uh, so this this card was did not you know create that change. But this is actually uh, a very old Jace uh, in, in a lot of the playtesting we did. Did something similar to this, and we ended up not going with it. But, you know, I, once I came to start working with Wizards, I'd heard about that, and it always kind of stuck with me. And I, I don't remember if who, who actually put this card together. It might have been design. It might have been development. I, I don't remember. But, like, you know, just the opportunity to be like, oh, this is the set where Jace actually gets to be illusionist. Like, his has my like, he has kind of hit his head and has lost his memory, and so he doesn't really remember how to do all his like you know 
his my, mental magic stuff, but he still knows illusions. And that kind of taking him back to kind of his, uh, you know, a big part of what he is and getting into a, a you know, it's just really fun to do a, a really different version of a character that we've made many, many cards of. And this just looks so little like any other card versions of him that we've yeah, uh, previously geez. done. So does that mean that like he comes, so the, do the token copies come into play with three loyalty of pop as well? Yes. So that means when I doubling season, I'm going to get uh, four Jaces with six loyalty each? Look, man, uh, I've, I've, have you ever cast a doubling season with uh, RTR Jace? No. Like, but... that one is a little stronger. Like, yeah, this is like, I've, yeah, yeah. okay. I'm just imagining, like, the fact that I can have, like, 40 Jaces in a turn. Oh, yeah, you can do the four... just keep chaining. You can do the full 40 Jace thing. I'll I'll play uh, I'll play Ravnica Jace and cast a spell over everyone's deck. So it, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like people are like didn't you realize this goes into doubling season? It's like eh, yeah, there's a lot <laughs> of these. Well, things I mean, very- yeah. it gives you infinite two two illusions of doubling season. Right. Whoop de doo. Like who Which cares? <laughs> that there's a million other ways of creating an infinite number of creatures. If and one electricery kills them all. <laughs> if Jace Cunning Castaway is your reason to hate doubling season, you misunderstood doubling season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you missed you missed something along the way. Yeah, yes. as a whole, it's just package, just you know, and, and it's something where it, it you know, like I don't know what ever do that, but like you know, people are on the play and they're against the kind of a controlling deck, and they're like, all right, I'll make a Jason plus. It's like great uh, plus hit you loot, you know, whatever. And the controlling decks all of a sudden like okay, and you're like, all right, uh, split them. Uh, plus plus hit you, and it's like, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna get a lot of cards of this thing, aren't you? Like it's it's a really <laughs> fun like you know gameplay. You're like, ah, oh, it's never gonna happen. That's like, oh my god, is happening. <laughs> uh, these are just. I go- thought it was very. Sorry, go. Oh yeah, these are just gonna get out of control. Oh, it's gonna be great. Yeah, I thought it was very amusing that within an, an out within an hour of this being spoiled, somebody on Twitter had figured out how to make jace into a creature and then create infinite jaces in order to kill all of them so you could have infinite dead jaces (laughs) 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 oh man this card is gonna have some shenanigans it's gonna be fun yeah it's gonna be fun i have to admit this is this is good even though he's wearing uh ben some sort of leather armor in a tropical marine environment yeah, about that. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna guess that he has some sort of magical cooling spell on him because that does not look like <laughs> and a and a sleeve. Is Jones that a frostling in your pocket? Or are you happy to see me? <laughs> I was gonna ask, but you kind of yeah. answered it already. Why another Jace? Because surely there are other characters in the multiverse that really want some time in the sun. You know, other blue planeswalkers. Well, but you've answered it because we've got the illusion side of it. Well, it's also like, you know, to, to some extent, the creative team is the one who's who's making the story. And they're the ones deciding on what happens. And the plan here was always that as Nicol Bolas, you know, kind of scatters the Gatewatch, uh, Jace ends up here. And, you know, that that is that it, this is a, you know, an opportunity to really see Jason a new light and that uh, you know that was a cool thing I think everyone really wanted to do okay yeah and so far the story is quite good oh I'm definitely enjoying it all right so here's a question I need to know did Morrow hang you by your toenails when you came to him and said I have a new mana drain <laughs> no no I, I, there, this is a common misconception 
Uh, you know, we just uh, did the bus hit you all? No, no, no. Well, so, so, so we've done mana drains before. Yeah, but uh, they sucked. They <laughs> were like this. Well, hang on, draining well does not suck. Plasm <sighs> capture, and we, 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 you know, we, we've done these things. Um, th- this was it actually was called minor drain for a long time. M I N E R. But like you know, th- this is just a, a a pretty simple card. And as we're working on treasure, it's like, what could you do? And it's like, what if you had mana drain but you got treasure? And that that was you know, all right, I'm sold. And we had to bump it up from four to five mana because oh my lord, oh, four yeah. mana was four <laughs> mana was not okay. But you know, uh, what about two mana? Just two blue. That seems yeah, two, fair. Two might be. It might be a bit good. It might be a good, good. But yeah, oh, I, come I, on. This leaves behind treasure. It should be at least three. Really yeah, love I've with heard, this. I've heard it's a strong card. Really love with this card ended up. I've, I've, I'm seeing people post decks with this in Revel and Riches for Standard, and you know, hope that happens. That'd be awesome. Oh, just yeah. in case you're a new to the format or new to Magic listener, and you don't really know Magic's rich history, just go Google Mana Drain the card. <laughs> And <laughs> drop your jaw of what the used to be considered acceptable. When oh, people yeah. say to you there's a power creep in like more modern magic sets, just refer them back to Mana Drain. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Sam, thank you for hanging out with us. How can people reach you if they have any questions? Uh, this has been a wonderful show. Yeah, they can reach me on Twitter. I am at Samstod, S-A-M-S-T-O-D. And, you know, I, I tweet back at people pretty regularly. Just uh, try not to say anything inappropriate. And there's a reasonable <laughs> chance that I will respond to you. That's why he never <laughs> responds to me. <laughs> well, thanks for hanging out with us, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed the show as much as we have. Talking with Sam is always wonderful. And uh, just as uh, maybe a little bit of a sneak peek, when's the next time you'll be leading a set uh... that we see? Boy, uh, a year, a little over a year. We'll see oh, you in a year, wait. sir. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> winter 2019 or something. I don't know. Oh. Well, we can't wait that long. <laughs> we'll have to figure out what your favorite guild is and then bring you on to talk about a commander deck. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. And. Uh, listeners thank you for hanging out with us as we said before special thanks to our patrons and now we get to announce their names they show their support by donating to us so we can keep on improving the show and uh, we have some ideas about that and you'll see them soon each week we're going to call out uh, three of you and this week it's Ryan Green. Now, Sean, you've played cards with Ryan. I've played. He's also the host of the Brothers War podcast. I have. I've played with uh, Ryan, and he uh, killed me with a Revealoc Comic Guide uh, murderous red cap. <laughs> which was great fun. <laughs> Cheers, Ryan. <laughs> uh, him and his brother are good guys, and their podcast is uh, worth checking out. Brothers War. Yeah, his- his brother, uh, uh, we would name him, but his brother's not a patron. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Visla Rudiger and then Epiphany MTG. Do you know Visla? Yes, Visla is a very good friend of mine. All uh, right. We even got to play at uh, GP Vegas and hang out. Very oh. good people. Very cool. Thank you very much for supporting us, folks. It really does help. Now, Sam, would you do us the honor of taking us out in a style of your choosing? <laughs> of course. Uh, Commander, not always accurate, but always entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
and rain.